Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugach. Welcome to Game On, the weekly football chat from Mail Plus. So Gareth Southgate's gone past 50, but despite the five-goal show against San Marino, there won't be too many celebrations as greater challenges lie ahead for England, for sure. And Scotland get a late draw against Austria. Well, joining us to discuss all this, we've got the Daily Mail's football editor, Ian Ladyman, and two men who played for Celtic, Alan McAnally and Chris Sutton. And of course, Alan played for Scotland and Chris for England as well. Hello, everyone. I hope you're well. Lots of international football to reflect upon. Chris, with England, they were always going to win. It was always going to be 4-5-6-0, let's, let's be honest. What did you take, if anything, from the San Marino game? Um, I, I thought the players' attitude was, uh, was first class. Um, I thought the performance was, you know, very good. They moved the ball quickly, created chances, didn't take the ones early on. But let's be honest, what can we read into a game against the worst team in the world? In many respects, they'd have been better off just having a bounce game behind closed doors. You know, they would have had more benefit from that. Um, so, you know, we can, we can look at performances. You know, Mason Mount shows what a, what a brilliant player he is, how versatile he is. Uh, Calvert-Lewin, we know who's going to start at the Euros anyway. I thought the most interesting thing was what Gareth said before the game when asked, does he know his starting eleven for the game against Croatia? He said he does, and I, I think that's you know a, a really interesting thing for him to say. I like the fact that the uh, he has a clear mind. He knows what his starting eleven is going to be, but there is you know an argument to say, well, what if there are players out there who whose form is so good in the next couple of months, uh, and you know he, he may be willing to leave these players out. So you know it's an interesting one. Alan, that was a very interesting comment he made because he mm. loves tournament experience and loyalty. So you might surmise somebody like Rashford is in that starting eleven when clearly Foden or Grealish have been in much better form than Rashford this season. How, how would the players mm. on the fringes of the team interpret that comment from Gareth? Because you could say, well, no matter what I'm going to do, he's got his eleven. Yeah, uh... I thought it was quite a forceful thing to say for a manager, considering there's a couple of players that you might have thought would have been in the squad, haven't been in great form, and you're spot on there. Um, could you call the 11 right now? I'd probably get seven or eight. There's a couple who I, I don't know whether actually merit a start for England, to be honest, because of their form. But I think Chris is right. There's nothing you can take out of the game, genuinely, apart from Ollie Watkins coming from nowhere to score a goal for his country. He's in good form with, the, with, with Aston Villa, obviously. And I thought Ward Prowse did nothing more than what I expected him to do. I think he's good in the ball. He's, you know, he's good from free kicks. The boy had a great save from him. And out with not scoring eight goals is the only way you can criticise England last night. I think Ian Mason Mountain is starting 11, isn't he? And he showed again last night, even against the opposition that there were there, that he's, he's fully worth his place, isn't he? Yeah, I thought last night um, Mason Mount, Lingard, Chilwell, probably the, probably the, the pick, I, was, I would say. Um, Watkins ends up being the story, but I thought they were they were the pick. And Mason is uh, what he showed again last night is he's such a lovely passer of the ball. I know that 
it's as uh, Alan and Chris will tell you, it's a lot easier when you've got 95% of the ball and the opposition are not really trying to press you that hard. But you've still got to find the gaps and you've still got to see the runs and you've still got to pick out your plays. And I think he did that very, very well last night. Um, I think Mason will be in that um, mental starting eleven that Gareth said last night he has in his head. It, it was an interesting comment that simply because previously Gareth has always said that there are three or four positions that are set in stone. And we have always presumed that those were uh, Pickford, Maguire, uh, Henderson, Kane and Sterling. Those were what we've always presumed. Now he's, he's chosen to go out there and, and tell us, but more importantly, tell his fringe players that he has an 11. And I just think it's a message. You know, he's not, as you guys will know, Gareth isn't as... Um, uh, he's, uh, he's a very nice guy, Gareth. He's not quite as nice as you might make out. And he'll know exactly what he was doing when he said that. Um, he'll be telling players who were about to play last night, well, look, I know what my best team is, so it's up to you to change my mind. Absolutely. Cool. Let, let's enjoy the Ollie Watkins moment, Alan and Chris. Alan, mm. you know what it's like. Ollie Watkins is from Devon. You know, he's not from a hotbed of football. Six <laughs> yeah. years ago, he was on loan at West Devon's Fair. Devon's all right. Which, well, it's, it's lovely, Devon. My sister lives there, but it's not It's not exactly the San Siro, is it? Let's be honest. Six years ago, he's on loan at Western Supermare, which is famous for being where John Cleese grew up and the fact that Lord Archer's got an appendage. I think he's Lord Archer, Western Supermare or whatever. Four years ago, the same night, he's playing for Exeter against Yeovil in League Two. I know it's mm. only San Marino, but when he wakes up this morning, looks at his shirt, signed by his mates, and he goes mm. and has his Frosties, he goes, I've scored for England. Yeah, it's, it is a great story, genuinely. We don't get many of them now. We really don't. And I can only reflect on my own experience. I remember doing, uh, was it two years ago now? Maybe, maybe a bit more than that. I did West Brom against Brentford. And in the Saturday afternoon show, obviously, I, I said, I said it, it was so good. And he was sticking out like a sore thumb. And I said, I'm watching a Premier Division football player in the Championship game here. But Ollie Watkins genuinely, I think, could push all the way to be a big part of that England squad. I genuinely do. And I'm not, sometimes I'm going over the top a little bit. The boy's a very, very good football player. Absolutely. Anyway, let's get on with John McGinn's overhead kick. I was with Ali McCoy's mm. pal last night on the telly. With yeah. the wrong foot, John McGinn, when you look at it. I mean, I kept I looking at it going, why have you gone with your left? Anyway, it's in the net. But you know what I mean, Alan? You look at it, you go, yeah. that looks counterintuitive. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, and I bet you the big man's been there as well. See, when you see them from behind the goal, I've been in positions where you've tried it and you, you don't really make absolutely, you don't nail it. It's not come out the middle of the club, basically. And it's kind of come off the top part of his foot, but he's got enough on it to get it enough. And it actually, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a nice fade into the corner. So he doesn't, he doesn't nail it, but it doesn't matter. Even the fact that, I'll tell you what, I thought that, I know Austria, I know Denmark won and Austria the second seeds. I wasn't overly convinced that, you know, you know Austria, like... I thought they were a bit dreamy at the back and gave us opportunities. And they're certainly more optimistic from my side of view because I thought there was parts of the games where we looked really good last night, genuinely. But defensively, still a problem for Scotland. And that's why we're giving two goals away at Hamden again. But yeah, McGinn's overhead goal is, is something to take away. We take away a point. And it's again, a, a, like a draw. Okay, we take a draw, we'd rather win the game. But in terms of the way we played overall, it was pretty good. And there's a couple of, you know, we're talking about England's good good field stories. We've got a couple in there for us as well. You know, I thought Armstrong did really well. Um, and uh, only, I suppose, David Marshall, we can hold your hands up. I thought the big man could probably have done better with a shot. But he's been so good for us, I'm, I'm loath to give him any criticism, you know. But it's a good point for us at least. And, you know, we've still got a, 
a tough game on, on Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We go to Israel as well. But uh, yeah, I'll take a point, but I was a little disappointed because I thought they were there for the taking, to be honest. And Chris was doing some gentle ribbing, but but actually what you mm. need, Scotland, is more alternatives up front. So Che Adams coming into the picture actually is very timely, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that, that's good. I mean, we we don't have, we genuinely don't. Have, in fact, to, to be quite honest with you, Christy, Armstrong and McGinn are our biggest goal threats. Neither of them is a striker. Neither of them really play up top, although you could probably play John off MD who plays up the top. And I think Shea coming in is going to help us a lot. Uh, and I would expect, to be quite honest with you, to him to start against Israel. Shea Adams, a totally different sort of player. I think he's he's more mobile. He is English. He has represented England. I don't know how <laughs> can sit there and, uh, and, and keep a straight face on this. It's a great move from Steve Clark to actually get him to go north of the border and play. It, yeah. you know, it's great yeah. it, news it from Scotland. We went behind twice last night. We would have folded. We would have folded before. And I don't see that in us now. We still had the fight to come back and we could have had a couple of opportunities where, you know, we could maybe have punished them even more because I thought they were a bit dreamy at the back. I genuinely did. But the goal from the, you know, he scores two goals. The header is, is just an absolute beauty. If the, you know, if Chris and I had done that, we'd have been, we'd have still been celebrating. We'd still have been yeah. running around the back of the goal, to be honest. Shut off. Giving it the yeah, exactly. Giving it a bit of that. It- Ian, all we can hope is, and obviously we don't know what the situation is going to be entirely by the time of the game at Wembley, but all we can hope for England and Scotland is that we have even eight, nine, ten thousand is better than none. Of course, it's not 85,000 or whatever, but just some fans in there. Give us some sort of atmosphere. It, it would make a huge difference. Um, I, I did a, a handful of games back in November when we had that spell in England when there were some supporters allowed in. I did a couple of games at Liverpool, did a game at Everton, did a game at Fulham. Um, and even, I think back then, we were only talking 2,000 supporters, weren't we? And it was just astonishing the difference that 2,000 made, in even in a big stadium like uh, Anfield. 2,000 made a big difference. And if you put 10,000 in the stadium that I can see out this window here um, for the England-Scotland game, that would make a huge difference to everybody and certainly to the players. The Tartan Army would still find their way in in numbers, wouldn't they, Al? Well, I was going to say, they better, they better bolt the doors at Wembley because <laughs> <something, laughs> the camera will pan round and there'll be 150 in the corner thinking. <laughs> and they'll all have high-vis jackets on, but with a tartan scarf. <laughs> uh, let's reflect upon Wales as well. And I suppose Ian Gareth Bale's comments, <clears throat> which people are trying to read a lot into, but... He's he has a contract with Real Madrid. I mean, what's he going to say if he says, "Oh no, I really want to stay at Tottenham," and then Tottenham go, "Well, we don't want you." Then Gareth Bale looks like a right fool, doesn't he? So he had to say what he had to say, didn't he? Yeah, He's going back yeah. to Real Madrid. It, yeah, I was speaking to somebody at Tottenham yesterday actually, and I mentioned it to them. I wasn't speaking to them about that, but I mentioned that mentioned it in passing. And this person said, "Well, of course he said that. That is what that's the that's the situation. He's he's here for a season. And he's going back." Um, the question is whether Gareth has done enough in his time back at Tottenham for, for Tottenham to even try and begin a conversation with Real Madrid about another year. And, uh, and never mind a permanent switch. And I think, well, I'd be surprised if any, any of you disagree. I know he's had a, uh, an uptick in his form recently. I don't think Gareth has shown enough. Um, certainly if Jose Mourinho is still the manager next season, I don't think he's shown enough to suggest that... Um, the money that's been spent on his wages, etc., couldn't be spent um, couldn't be spent better elsewhere. Yeah, 
Anyone going yep. to disagree with that? Chris? Uh, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. He hasn't played enough, has he? It, it looked like it was at the West Ham game where he came on <laughs> half an hour to go, hit a bit of form. And I think Spurs fans were getting excited then, thinking, blimey, he's turned up eventually. But the fact yeah. of the matter is that the, was it the Aston Villa, he was left on the bench once yeah. again at the weekend. You know, that's a, that's a big surprise. There, now, I don't know whether there's a relationship issue with, with Jose and Gareth Bale, whatever it is, but it, it seems a strange one, just the fact that he was getting into form and, you know, he wasn't picked at the weekend. Chris, Chris, you and I have been in a dozen million dressing rooms and in amongst squads. And, you, and I'm going to ask you a direct question because, or, or, or maybe I should answer it before I answer you. Gareth Bale ain't going to stay at Spurs because Mourinho's there. And Gareth Bale came to Spurs because Daniel Levy wanted Gareth Bale, not Jose Mourinho. And that's why I'll be going back to, to Real Madrid. The contract thing for me, you're right, Ian. I mean, I can't believe people are even doubting him. Like, why is he saying that? He's not a Spurs player. It's just ridiculous. And people get on the high horse about like, oh, you can't say that. Of course he can say, say whatever the hell he wants. But he's a real Madrid player. But in, in, in genuinely thinking, I don't know whether Chris is going to agree, I hope he does, but there is no way he'll be at Spurs apart from the fact that I don't think his relationship with Jose Mourinho is any good. Genuinely, thing, don't. otherwise, he'd have played more times, I think. The thing about... And also, Ed, can I put this to you? When he was, you know, he played well when he came on at West Ham, even though they lost. Played very well against Burnley. There's another game he played really well. And then it was a North London derby. And rightly so, newspapers were writing Gareth Bale, North London derby, 10 years ago, started the comeback when Tottenham won at Arsenal when they were two down, et cetera, et cetera. Right, he's back. In a way, this was the big test, wasn't it? With respect, did it against Burnley. This was the big test, North London derby. Gets hooked after 55 minutes. And you see that and you think, it's not really well, working. It's not working at the level that Tottenham need it to work out. That's know, the point, isn't it? I know what they think at Tottenham, but I don't know quite what the reason is. They, at Tottenham, I know it sounds strange, given talking about Gareth Bale and all he's achieved. They don't, they don't think he's got the legs, or or they don't. Now I don't know whether that's because he just hasn't got the legs anymore, or because he's not trained sufficiently well to give himself the stamina. Um, but that is the phrase that has been used to me a couple of times, which is that he doesn't look like he's doesn't look like he's got the legs. And I think what they mean is for to play the way that Jose wants to play, and we all know what that involves, which probably points to why he was maybe hooked after 55 minutes, Mark. Um, now, I don't, I, I'm, I don't know what goes on with Gareth Bale. I don't know what goes on, what he, what he feels he's like physically, but that is a comment that's been used to me a couple of times. If that is true, if that is true, and it is a big if, because that's just one opinion, if it's true, then you wonder where Gareth Bale goes after this, mm. whether he goes back to another what you would call elite club or whether it is China or, or America or, or somewhere like that. I can't, see it. I can't see it being Real Madrid. So you begin to wonder where Gareth do, does go. And who would have thought we'd, we'd be even talking like that about a player of, of his stature? Let's sort of finish in the last sort of 50 minutes by talking about two managerial situations. Alan, I want to start with you and Celtic. Uh, mm. I can say that last night at ITV... Ali McCoyce was having a lot of fun with Roy Keane. Let's say that. <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> okay, come on, Roy. It would be hilarious. Come on, Roy. You and Gerald. Oh, yeah. um, jokes aside, what do you think Celtic are looking at? Oh, boy. Well, I, I, I think... Hang on a minute. Who do I think? First of all, I, I haven't got a clue who's getting the job. That's a problem for me. I don't think there's an outstanding candidate. That's a problem. I genuinely don't. I mean... And I can imagine Coisey, Riven, Roy all day long. And a lot of Celtic fans would love Roy to be the manager. So then you've got 
Roy Keane against Steven Gerrard. I mean, it's probably not going to get any better than that one. But it's box office. Yeah. Well, it's complete and utter box office. But the only thing is, I don't see Roy, I don't see Roy wanting the job. To be honest, I don't know why. I just don't. I don't. It's a big job there now. What Steven Gerrard has, <clears throat> excuse me, has done at Rangers has made the Celtic job almost less attractive and more of a bigger job because of the changes that will have to be made. And I saw that Dermot Desmond, uh, one of the uh, main owners at Celtic, was saying there'll be a lot of players leaving Celtic at the end of the year. Well, it'll be very interesting then how much money you get to replace, not like for like, because like hasn't been good enough, better players in better quality that Celtic want if they're going to manage to, to stop Rangers going ahead in the, the direction they are. Maybe the big man has got a better idea than I, but I have absolutely, genuinely no idea who's going to get the Celtic job. And of all my contacts at Celtic, neither of them have either. It's been kept <laughs> close to the test if they've made a decision so far. Yeah. Chris, any thoughts? Uh, no, I'm with Alan on this. I've, I've not got a clue. Uh, it, it, the way I see it, it must be somebody who's already in a job. I know Steve Clark hasn't hasn't dismissed talk about him becoming uh, next Celtic manager, and I know Scotland have got the Euros. Um, but you know, Alan touched on it there. The issue is, is is this isn't a job where you're walking into and you've got a brilliant squad of players. This is this mm. is uh, a, a team or a, a club now in turmoil. They the 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 Best three players are arguably the best three players. Odson Edward, one year left on his contract. He's off. Kristen mm. Breyer, one year left on his contract. He's off. Brian Christie, one year left on his contract. He's off. You've got the loan situation. Laxalt, uh, Shane Duffy, they're going to go back to the clubs. Celtic have a goalkeeping situation where the three goalkeepers are all hopeless. They have massive, massive <laughs> issues. And the fact of the matter is, is a new manager will be looking at this in talks with Dermot Desmond, Peter Lawwell, uh, or whoever, and he'll be saying to them, what are you going to give me? How much are you going to mm. give me? Because I need to build again. Celtic have mm. Callum McGregor and David Turnbull. And mm. that's about the long and the short of it. So it needs a massive overhaul, and it's going to be an incredibly tough job, especially when you look across <clears throat> the city at Rangers. Mm, yeah. Alan said it, that Stephen Gerrard, the squad which he has built, and he was given time to build that squad, mm. uh, is, is in his third season, and he's won his first, uh, first major honour as, uh, as, as, as Rangers manager. And the time, um, the time was the key. And in Glasgow, it's, it's a city like no other, really. You don't normally get time. So no. the one thing that Celtic could do is learn from Rangers and actually think that the new guy coming in, in place, huge job on. This next season, Celtic might have to sort of say, well, this is a building period. The season mm. after, the team who wins the Scottish League gets an automatic place in the Champions League group stage. Yeah. That is a massive, massive deal. So that's what Celtic should be planning for. Let's finish off with what you two, Chris and, and Ian, have been talking about in the in the paper today, which is about a new contract for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and whether mm. it is justified. Alan, as the, uh, these two have written about it, so I'll come to them. Right. Okay. With you, do you think it's justified he gets a new contract, Solskjaer? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, he's sitting second in the league. Um, Man City have been the best team and he's going to be second best, albeit the Red fans won't like that. He went to Milan when I thought they would get put out, got a result, and they're still in the Europa competition. And every time he needs a, a, a result, a performance, he seems to get it. Listen, do I think he was lucky getting the job? Yes. 
Do I think a lot of people are not satisfied with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being the manager of Manchester United? Yes. But you can't fault the fact that he's still done a good job. Genuinely. I think he's done a good job. They're in a good position. And I think he genuinely deserves it. He deserves a pat in the back for what he's done. So I'm okay with him getting a new contract. And just before the lads speak about this, maybe in more detail, a pal of mine at Man City said, I hope he gets a 10-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ian, why don't you two reprise what you've done in the paper today, Ian, starting with you. Uh, yeah, it was very simple. I think it's been presented as a kind of a, can, can Man United win the league under Ollie? And uh, Chris has said yes, and I've said no. It's as simple as that. Um, and um, Chris and I have had this backwards and forwards on this show before. Um I don't think, for, I, I need to make it clear, I don't think Ollie's done a bad job. He's not done a bad job. He's actually done quite a good job. If you look at where they were when he took over, you know, they were absolutely on the slide to Nova under Mourinho. Chris, done, is he on the back? Is he on the no, back? No, no, he should, no. He should get a contract. Alan, Alan this, is called con, this is called context. So ah, <laughs> called context. Go on then. Go um, on then. So, yeah, so, so I think he's done, I think he's done a, a more than decent job. The second in the league, you can't argue. You can't argue with that. However, what, what matters to Manchester United? This is not far from the debate we just had about Celtic and Rangers. What really matters for Manchester United? Winning the Premier League. Coming second, second is nowhere, as somebody once said. And it is nowhere for Manchester United. Manchester United fans, friends of mine will tell you, all that matters is winning the, winning the Premier League. They haven't won it for, for eight years. I don't think they'll win it under Oli. And that is my key point with this. To give Oli a new contract to me, you could argue it that it's, it's been deserved. I accept that. It just feels safe. It feels safe. It feels like it, a move of a football club that thinks, right, we're coming, out of the, we're coming out of the pandemic, hopefully. We've lost a load of money. We need to make sure that where we are now is where we still are in a couple of years, i.e. Champions League, revenue, etc., etc. Manchester United needs to be looking at someone who can win them the Premier League. And I just don't think that Oli is a coach who has enough to make what is, I'm afraid, still a really big step between them and the team in, in first position. And that's that's essentially my, my, my stance. That's a strong argument, Chris Sutton. Yeah, Ian has a strong argument. Would you sack him then, Ian, if you don't believe he can win the Premier League? I wouldn't sack him. No, this is a very, very good question. And this is what <laughs> I was thinking when I was writing it last night. And that's why it's such a strange strange situation. Because the bloke the bloke doesn't, doesn't deserve, at the moment, to be, to be sacked. But there is an argument. To, there is an argument to say thank you. You've taken us to here, and we really appreciate that. But we now need someone else to take us there. You could argue that. You could argue that because it's Manchester United. Would that be really rough on him? Yes, it would. Would it be even harder because the bloke's a club legend? Yes, it would. Could you frame an argument for that being the next step for that football club? Yes, you could frame that argument. Has he, well, I, I work off the, the premise that he's improved the team since he took over from Mourinho and he, t he took over one hell of a mess, didn't he? Yeah, that's so why he, I was, I started the, the thing by saying that, didn't yeah. I? And I've written that in the yeah. paper. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But equally, if I hired someone to run a business and get us from um, the floor to, to the uh, 15th floor of a 20-storey building, but I didn't think that bloke or that woman could take us from the 15th mm. to the 20th floor. I would then have to let them go and get Chris, someone else. Chris, do you really think could. he can finish above Guardiola, Klopp, if he recovers, and Tuchel? Do you really think that? 
Um, well, he needs help, doesn't he? he needs, uh, I think Manchester United need a centre-forward. Are you telling me if, if Erlen Harling would sign, uh, Harland was signed by Manchester United, they wouldn't have a chance of winning, winning the Premier League? I think that they absolutely uh, wouldn't. And, you know, I, I think it's harsh on Ollie because he is seen as this sort of PE teacher type who hasn't got a clue and everybody, you know, holds Pep up in such, such high esteem. But Ollie's masterminded numerous victories over Manchester City over the last couple of seasons, and yet doesn't get the credit for that? I don't, I th- I don't, I don't quite understand that. You know, I think, well, you, I, you know, Alan touched on the, the, the result in Milan. That was a big hmm. deal. Now, now all, he could, all he can do with the trophy, no doubt so what, about that. What, what would you say, Chris, if it was a Celtic manager who beat, who beat Rangers twice in the course of a league season and still finished 15 points behind them? No, I, no, I take your point, but, he's, but, but, <laughs> but there is context to this that, that Oli... Ollie is viewed as many for whatever reason as that he isn't uh, as tactically flexible or, or up there with the likes of Pep. Whether we like it or not, that is that is the case. And I think that that you know we've seen enough evidence over his time in charge to think that he does actually know what he's doing and that can they I, can are. I, can I put one in here to Alan? Can I put one here to Alan? Mm-hmm. I think it's a really good debate. Maybe Solskjaer mm-hmm. doesn't help himself when he made a slightly strange comment the other day which I'm paraphrasing it, and I apologise if I get the context wrong. Ian, tell me if I get mm. the context wrong. The <laughs> trophies are for managers' egos, basically. And I'm right. watching that going, if I'm a Man United fan, you're saying to me, <laughs> the Europa League, you play really poorly at Leicester in the FA Cup, beaten by Man City in the League Cup semi-final. You're basically saying, that doesn't really matter. I go, what is the whole point of following a football club if it's not to win something? No, that was the stupidest thing he said in his tenure so far. That was like Arteta saying... Well, statistically, we were 22% chance to win the game. I mean, seriously, shut up. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, utterly ridiculous. Now, the context that Ian wants to talk about is, so far he said he should, he's not going to win the league. So basically, Ian, what you're saying is they should sack him. End of. Because if you've got a striker that can't score any goals, you're replacing him. End of. That's what you're actually saying. I'm saying the job he's done so far has been so good in terms of, he's not running the show, by the way. He ain't running the show. Jaden Sancho was 108 million euros. They offered 92 million. Dortmund mm-hmm. said it's 108. Woodward then offered 97 million. Dortmund said it's 108. <laughs> it looks as though they're almost like, right, let's pretend we're in the list. Let's pretend we're in the. We're not, we're not paying 108, which means A, you're not getting them, and they're meant to be the biggest club in the world. Chris mentioned uh, 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 Haaland. They will offer 10 million less. So they're in the race. It looks as though we're trying to get them. They ain't trying to get anybody. I think so. I'm I, saying he's not even running the show because it's I, been run by the Glazers and they're taking money out of the football club. But if they want to be the best and for Ollie to win the league, then they can't be dillying and dallying about, oh, do we want Jaden Sancho for 108? Well, we've offered 97. I mean, do me a favor. Ian. Very, very good points. I'm not going to, not going to, you know, not going to disagree with you. I would also say that that is a, it's it's a, it's an interesting argument. It's an important argument. It's a slightly one that's a little bit kind of tangential to this to this point, which is that that mm. is the environment that, that exists at Manchester United. Okay, yeah, that is the way it works. That will be the way it works. That is the way it works. We're just talking about coaches, talking about managers, and yeah, I certainly won't sack him unless they thought they could get somebody better. By the way, 
if you go back mm. to the analogy of, of me appointing someone at a business, I wouldn't get rid of someone if I didn't think they had the right person to replace them. But I just, I think, and you made a point earlier, Alan, about your mate at Man City saying, I hope he stays. It was a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a good gag and I get it. But you know what? There's something in that. Because I know a lot of Liverpool fans who were thinking the same. Uh, 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 was thinking the same. And a lot of Man United fans, I live in Manchester, a lot of Man United fans, and I mean Man United fans who've had season tickets for 30 years, you know, people of my, of my generation who've, had, who've been going for years, and they know, they know a proper Man United side when they see one. And they, they, say, they have said to me, you know, yeah, they beat City, they had a great result in Milan, they had a great result in, in Paris, they've had those results. They say to me, it's just not, it's just not. With Ollie, it's just not. And we love him to bits, and he's and there's no way you can say he's done a bad job, but it's just not. And that then you know, and that's that's a view that's worth listening to as well. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple, and Google. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On. <laughs>